I am your host, JD Horror, and this is True Crime Horror Story. A true crime podcast designed like an anthology horror movie. It's definitely not for the faint of heart and never played for laughs. Listener discretion is strongly advised. In seasons one through four, we highlighted both notorious and obscure incidents of real life murder. From world famous psychopaths like the Toolbox Killers and Jeffrey Dahmer, to lesser known evils that you may not have heard of, but have effects just as catastrophic for the victims and their families. Season five is coming soon, so subscribe now wherever podcasts can be consumed. And check out our website at www.truecrimehorrorstory.com. True Crime Horror Story. Sometimes truth is more brutal than fiction. Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. All right. Welcome back. We got another serial killer for this week. And this is Hawaii's first serial killer. And it's dang, scary to me to think that you, you know, you you know at a certain point that community knew that they were stuck on an island with a serial killer. <laughs> you know, like Yeah, yeah, most likely. It's different. Because like on the mainland, you know, so many of the serial killers we cover, they they bounce around state to state, jurisdiction to jurisdiction. We saw Ted Bundy. Yeah. You know, how many states he made it through and then after his second escape, it, you know, it was uh, like Salt Lake and Colorado were freaking out, thinking he was coming back there. Meanwhile, he was in Tallahassee, Florida. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's one way to look at it. One way to look at it is like, oh, my God, I'm trapped on this island with a serial killer. But the other way to look at it is like, man, the serial killer's on this island. How hard could it be to find him? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and he's got he's got clear motives and he's got like he kind of it became clear that he was using bus stops and late mm-hmm. night, you know, late night trolling around looking for vulnerable women. Yep, and um, we got a creep That being fan. said, a very unsatisfying uh, finish to this one. Oh, yeah. No, no justice served, unfortunately, even though we know who this killer was. Yeah, be prepared for that. Yeah, just bad, you know, bad timing. Uh, just like a year away from DNA uh, comparison. But I still, there's so many things I don't understand, uh, you know, when it comes to that. They're not very motivated to, to solve it, are they? I don't get I don't get why they don't want the closure. Like, I you, know. They've had their chances to obtain his DNA over the years and compare, and they had DNA... In the, it makes me wonder: Did they lose the DNA from the victims? That's the only that's the only explanation that makes sense to me. They may have something happened. We've seen it with refrigerators and lockups that get unplugged and shit like that. Like, did they just lose the DNA evidence? I mean, it was a long time ago. It was thirty years ago. This happened. Right. Did they lose the the samples? That's the only thing that makes sense because they could consume s- his body. They could like, even when he prior to his death, they were following him around. The FBI and the police yes. were following this guy around for like years, like twenty years. They were following him around. They could have at any point picked up something that he had discarded and gotten his DNA from it if they needed it. I know. It just seems weird. And he also had a creep van. He also had yeah, a creep van. of course. So, yeah. I mean, is that not enough evidence right there? Come I on. know. I know. I mean, the guy... Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yep. yep. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's do the it. The Honolulu man. Strangler. Here we go. It was 1985. The island was so Right. You couldn't go out at night. A 
seems obvious to me What do I know I'm just a guy with you good lady What are we missing here Why is this not clear We just stand by as the truth disappears Oh what For our case this week, as we mentioned, we are going to the Hawaiian Islands, of which there's way more of them than I thought. I've, I've actually too. been to Hawaii for my honeymoon years ago, Maui. Uh, my wife and I spent seven days in Maui. Yeah. This would have been circa like 2012, and it was one of the best weeks of my life, man. It's just absolutely stunningly beautiful, amazing weather. I didn't want to leave. Oh, I, I get not. it. I get why so many like um, people from the mainland go there on a vacation and then never leave, you know? Oh, I know. I, after studying this case, I was looking at properties. I was like, God damn. Well, we yeah, all have goals. That. We, the podcast <laughs> needs to be a lot bigger. If you're gonna be we all have goals. Property. <laughs> yeah, right. It's something to strive towards, guys. We That's need a right. lot more patron people. <laughs> yes, we do. I'm trying to Imagine live on a we, cliff we move the podcast, if we move the operation to Hawaii, oh, that'd be the, the dream life, just podcasting on the Hawaiian islands and just yes. going oh surfing gosh. and snorkeling every day. 80 degree weather. Oh, oh my God. It's the life. Let's dude. find a way to make this happen, Michael. Get some of that Maui, that Maui yeah. wow. We start the podcast. Aloha. Welcome back to Trucana. <laughs> <laughs> Our whole vibe changes. We just calm, slow down. Right. Aloha, people. We're sipping Welcome pina coladas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah those so there's, the 100 and, there's 132 islands that make I up the Hawaiian knew. Islands. I know, right? I was like, maybe there's like 10, 15, you know, some smaller ones that, you know, is not really inhabited. Yeah. But, but you, of the 132, there's only seven that are inhabited. So, I, I mean, I guess I that's what I figured. Is there's like seven and then some like smaller ones that... Oh, yeah. It makes you wonder like how many people have seen all... have been on to all of these. You know, there's some explorers and stuff that... You know, some people that live, oh, maybe course. live in Hawaii and just, they've just made a point to go to every one of them. My question I don't know if is... Even, how, you can access all of them. Right. How big does a landmass land have to be before it's an island? Or how small can it be and still be an island, rather? You know, that's right. what I'm it's wondering. It's like the size of your studio. <laughs> right, right. Dude, that's what you need to buy. It's just one of those. You and got... just put a studio on it. <laughs> that's it? Just, yeah, man. Oh, my God. The constant wave noises, though. It'd be, I guess it'd yeah. be like ambience, right? It'd be like ASMR in the back of every single episode. Oh, for sure. That would just add to it, for you sure. you just have seagulls and wind noise constantly. Yeah. Yeah. And then he decapitated her and, and took his body. He took yeah. her body to. <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> and we went, <laughs> this is yeah. beautiful. This podcast is so relaxing. <laughs> right. So we, we this uh, this case takes us to Honolulu, uh, which is the capital of Hawaii and the largest city in the state as well. Right. Um, 
And it's a major hub for international business, finance, hospitality, and military defense. It gained worldwide re- uh, recognition following the, Jap- the Japan attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941. Right. A date which will live in infamy. It's actually, we just passed the 80-year anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Wow. Just la- uh, last week. Man. So it's crazy timing. We always seem to do these cases, that, like, and it seems like we planned it, and it's like, oh, they did this because it's the 80-year anniversary of Pearl. No, just, nope. we just... We just happened to pick this case, and it was yeah. <laughs> weird that it happened that way. Yeah, right. We're not that professional. Nope, just lined up. Yeah. But the the city of, of Honolulu is very diverse, characterized by a mix of uh, various Asian, Western, and Pacific cultures, as reflected uh, in its diverse demography, uh, cuisine, and traditions. The more I find out about uh, Hawaiian culture, it's just so cool how accepting they are. Like, they don't really care where you're from. It, it went, you know, if you decide to move there, it, yeah. you just... You're 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 Hawaiian now. You're part of the you're part yeah. of what they are. Ohana, it's right? Incredible. That's the that's yeah. their word. Ohana. You're 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 part of the family. I'm sure there is. Yeah. I'm sure there are a lot of locals who are like, oh my god, I fucking hate my job. Like serving these tourists all damn day. And yeah, yeah. You know, you know, they there probably is some sort of that mentality, especially in Honolulu, uh, being the biggest tourist attraction in Hawaii. Obviously, being the capital. Yeah, um, but it does seem like you know once you become a native, or not once you become a native, but once you become a resident, rather, they're, they're, yeah. they seem to be quite accepting. Well, hopefully they'll yeah. accept us when we move there, Lauren. Yeah, <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> take us in with open arms. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yep. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned though, it is it is some, there's something scarier about knowing, it, but at the same time also motivating knowing that you're on most likely this, the killer is is on that island and. Not not likely to leave, right? As law likely enforcement works there, I'd be like, yeah. Yes, law enforcement right. must have been motivated, like, hey, there's only so far this this fucker can go, you know? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. So let's get into the the first victim of this serial killer uh, was a, a woman named Vicky Gale Purdy, who was born in North Carolina. We well, always I seem think. to have a reference to North Carolina or Las Vegas in there these cases, go. and there it is, North North Carolina. Born in North Carolina, she didn't stay there long though. She went to Georgia, didn't she? Yep. Yeah. So yeah, she was born in North Carolina and moved to Georgia before starting high school. Okay. And when she was 16, she met Gary Purdy. They met when she married Gary's cousin. <laughs> Gary's cousin. Oh. So kind of funny. Okay. That must have been awkward at Thanksgiving, right? So she married Gary's cousin and then yep. left him. The marriage that marriage fell apart, uh-huh. and soon Vicky and Gary were together. Um, hmm. So yeah, like I said, that's awkward at the holidays. No doubt. No doubt. So check this out. They met when they were 16. Okay. Then she married. She'd already been married. (laughs) She'd already been married to his cousin prior to that. She was busy. Uh, Apparently. God, she got married. She must have got married very young because they married. Vicky and Gary. Well, you know what? She could have. Well, no, she could have met Gary when she got married to his cousin. That's what I'm saying. But still, at 16, 17, it had to have been. It had to have been before 20. True. See what I'm saying? Yeah, because they married when they were both 20. So yeah, yeah, she could have been with his cousin for a few years. Then they get the they get the divorce, and then she gets with Gary when she's 18, 19, something like that. And uh Wow. Then they end up married. Life's crazy. Yeah. So Gary would go on to join the army at the same time that they got married when they were both about 20 years old. Hmm. And Vicky had always uh dreamed of living in Hawaii, like many of us. Right. Um soon she would get her chance when Gary would get stationed there. And by 1985, Vicky was 25, and Gary was an army helicopter pilot. They were living together in Milani. I'm gonna Mililani. I'm gonna probably butcher a lot of these these Hawaiian 
um, yeah. areas, like towns and um, coves and things like that. The names of it, they're very hard to pronounce if you're, uh, yeah, if you haven't been around. I'll, I'll try to help you if there's some that I know. Um, some of okay. these, some of these I'll know because my my wife's family, my mom, my wife's mother is from Hawaii, so I've heard a lot of okay. these. So I'll try to. But uh, as far as Mililani, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's my best. Well, guess. Mililani is about thirty minutes away from Honolulu, near his air, near the airfield that Gary was stationed at. Okay, and Vicky had Vicky and Gary had been married for about five years, but had only been living in Hawaii for the last sixteen months. Um, by mid nineteen eighty five, um, Vicky was five foot five, but notoriously tough. That's worth mentioning. And okay. in mid nineteen eighty five, Vicky was working at an adult video store which had an adult bookstore um, and also an attached family video store. These were so popular back in, you know, in the 80s and 90s, these video oh, stores. Yeah. That, you know, they, a lot of times they had the separate room with the saloon doors or the beads where you go yeah, through the and beads. there's an adult section. Yeah. yeah. My local store yeah. had the beads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you like... You, you, I'm you like, what's in here as some, a kid? And your mom's like, no, 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 son, 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 no. Don't go in there yet. Go, go check out the video right. games. <laughs> I was always trying to peek through the beads. Yeah, exactly. What is back there? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell a boob. kid. Yeah, don't tell a kid not to go in somewhere. Don't, that's the worst know, thing right? you could do. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're you know you're you're hitting 10, 12 years old, and the hormones are kicking in. You're like, yeah, I gotta get in there. I gotta get in there. <laughs> it's a whole world in there that I've got to see. <laughs> right. Yeah. So she was working in one of those, um, in, but can you pronounce this one, Wai, Wahiwa? Is that what it, Wahiwa? Let's see. Yeah, Wahiwa. Wahiwa. Wahiwa? I would say, yeah. Probably butchered it too. Which, but. which was a town that was right next to Wheeler Army Field, uh, Army Airfield, where Gary was stationed. Um, so yeah, and this this adult video store had uh, it had a dark past. In the, the year prior that she started working there, there was a double homicide um, of both the owner and the manager of this store. Oh, my. Uh, and it was brutal, yeah. too, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a stabbing, murder, and robbery uh, of the owner and manager of that store. Jesus. So, of course, her, you know, her mom and her, you know, her husband were a little bit concerned about her working there. And when she would come up missing and be found murder, they would Im- immediately assume that it had something to do with that store. Did the killer of those two come back or something along those lines? Right. Naturally, you would think that. Yeah. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But Vicky was a social being and loved to be frequently um, out on the town, on the beach. She loved to hang out at Waikiki Beach in her spare time and would often take the bus there on her own, which was not uncommon at all. Like we said, this is we're heading into the first serial killer Honolulu had ever had, and Hawaii in general, uh, on any of the islands had ever had. And they, they right. seem to be a little bit behind the mainland when, when it comes to trends and things like that. And um, so they just, it was not un- uncommon for young women to ride the bus alone it was known as safe at the time and well riding the bus is better than hitchhiking it. you know or, or for even, sure yeah. even taking a cab by yourself i, I still think the yeah bus but it's just safer. the act of sitting at the bus stop and her mom ah i believe it was her mom stop. it was one of the moms of one of these victims that that you know told their daughter to head straight to the bus stop right as the bus was getting there which i think is really good advice like don't spend an hour waiting for the bus i agree yeah uh, you know, time it to where you get there, you know, just a minute or two before the bus gets there. Exactly. That Learn way you're, your not, bus you're not vulnerable sitting there at the bus stop. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, Vicky, uh, on May 29th, 1985, left to go clubbing in Waikiki, which she done. She did quite frequently. This time, um, she drove her car since Gary was home. She left like 6, 6 p.m. in the evening after Gary had gotten home from work, so she took the car. I think they had one car together. Yeah. 
Um, so she leaves at about 6 p.m., um, but failed to meet her friends. Her car did end up getting parked in, uh, you know, in a parking garage near uh, Waikiki Beach, and she would last be seen um, by a taxi driver who drove her to the Shorebird Hotel where she had her car parked in that parking lot. Um, at about uh, at about midnight, she was last seen by that taxi driver, and apparently she never made it to her car to retrieve it because her car would later be found in that parking lot. See, I told you taxis weren't safe. Taxi driver did it. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't think so. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. I, I mean, just saying it's it wouldn't be a crazy theory if we didn't know ultimately who the killer ends up being. Yeah, it's not a exactly. taxi driver. Exactly. But yeah, not out of the realm of possibility otherwise. Mm-mm. Um, so the next morning, Vicky's body would be found on, a, uh, on an embankment at Kihai Lagoon, wearing a yellow jump, jump jumpsuit that she had uh, been wearing that night. Her hands were bound her, behind her back, and she had been raped and strangled. And her husband told the police that he spe- suspected her death to be associated with her job at the video rental store. As we mentioned, you know, there had been that double homicide a year right. prior. The store's owner and managers, uh, Carol Drake and Terry Lee, had been stabbed to death in the back office, office of the um, video store. Um, Man, and, just and the think, store had been videos, robbed. And, I was just saying, video stores used to be so profitable, it was worth robbing them. Can you believe that? I know, right? It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's like, the few that are around now, it's like, Renting what? out VHSs was so profitable so that profitable. you could rob it, and it actually made sense. And they would kill to rob the store. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and I believe that that remained unsolved, that murder, the double homicide. God. You, you see yeah, that? But this was all before right? DNA, though, like we discussed before. I mean... It's it's rare that a bloody yeah, and knife. Yeah, there was scene also no, there was no assault. sexual assault in that one, so I don't know uh, the likelihood that they were able to obtain any DNA from the crime scene either. I, right. This killer showed up with the intent of robbing, and that was that. There was no sexual assault or anything like that. So right. Um, so aside from the fact that Vicky had been working at the same video store, there was no similarities in the murder, as police learned. Um, there was no binding or sexual assault of the two women in the year prior at the video store, and Vicky had been strangled as well. So it was. This was clearly like a sexually motivated killer. Yes, something and, different. Yeah, fit all the, the mold of a serial killer, the way that it was perpetrated. Um, and I believe she was, she was like, uh, most of these victims had like uh, rocks either tied to them to like, they were found in the water and they would be like weighed down by rocks, but like not in a manner to hide their bodies, but more to be found. Yeah. Um, the killer, the killer, like got off clearly on creating chaos and and fear in the community. Oh, no doubt. Uh, because I mean, you live on an island. If you really wanted to get rid of the body, it wouldn't be that hard, right? Like, there's bodies of water everywhere that are plenty deep enough to submerge a body. But yeah, this guy yeah. obviously was leaving them out to be to be found. Yeah, he liked this attention. This was so typical. Yeah. So Vicky's husband Gary would soon leave uh, Oahu. Um, it was too much for him to handle, and it would be about six months until the killer would strike again. Um, and by then, the fear, the public's fear had waned. You know, they didn't, they were not real privy to serial killers at this time, and they, you know, they maybe thought well, this was a one-off um, until mm-hmm. similar murders continually happen over and over they again. Pro- and they they probably thought that this was just a crime of passion. You know, this was something personal with the way that it yeah. was done, and then also not having any experience with serial killers in the past. They probably thought, wow. You know, this must have been a jealous lover or maybe somebody who she just really pissed off or or something yeah. like that. You know, especially if six months go by and nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, it's only common sense. And they may have, they, the, the video the video store thing may have muddied it up too and made it a little more difficult to understand. It may have been like, something's right. going on with this video store, clearly. Like, you do not send your daughters to work there. Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. you, you want to go work at that place after all that's happened in the past year? Three people murdered on two separate occasions. Uh, no, 
no, I, I would right. not want to work there. <clears throat> yeah. So in January of 1986, uh, six months later, Regina Sakamoto, uh, who was a 17-year-old senior of uh, Lalua High School. You think I kind of got that maybe. one? Lealua? Lealua? Lealua, maybe? Lealua? Lealua, yeah. Yeah. So Close many enough. vowels uh, in, in the Hawaiian language. So many vowels. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's, it's beautiful, though. It is. It's a beautiful language. Yeah. And she lived in uh, Waiapua. Uh, with her mother and little brother, um, as we mentioned, Regina was 17 years old, a senior in high school, um, and she was born in Kansas but moved to Oahu when her mother remarried. So she moved to Oahu with her mother and, uh, as we said, her little brother, and she planned to attend Hawaii Pacific University University following her graduation. She was described as fun-loving and smart, um, and on January 14, 1986, she missed her bus on her way to school. She usually rode the bus to school, um, and on this day, she was late, and the bus left without her, and she was seen using a payphone to call uh, call her boyfriend at 7.15 a.m. to tell him that she would be late. Um, but when Regina didn't get home from school that evening because she never made it to school, um, her parent, her mom didn't know that yet, but she, she never right. returns home, um, and her mother calls the police, and unfortunately, the next morning on January 15th, her body would be found by a fisherman at the Kihai Lagoon, wearing a blue tank top and a white sweatshirt, but her lower body was unclothed. And we're already seeing a trend here. The killer usually yeah. left the upper body of the victims clothed, and the lower body would be left nude. Right. Um, and their hands would typically be bound behind their back, and they would be found to be sexually assaulted and strangled as well. And I think they were bound with some sort of paracord, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I think there yeah. were consistencies in the uh, ties as well. At this point, mm-hmm. and they kept being found in a in a lagoon, in a lagoon near near an airport, and the the bodies would all be uh, left in within a very small radius of, of, of yes, uh, <laughs> no doubt. When you look at the map of where these bodies mm-hmm. were found, yeah, it it's is all a tight grouping. around the same lagoon. Oh yes, very tight grouping. Yeah. So the second case led police to suspect the same killer as the first because of the similarities. And they would not have to wait long at all for the killer to strike again. In fact, the same month, in late January 1986, uh, another young girl would come up missing. 21-year-old Denise Hughes had been living in Hawaii for about five months. She was originally from Everett, Washington. And this is one of those cases where you know someone goes on vacation and just never leaves. Um, she had gone on vacation yep. to Oahu and met a young sailor named Charles who was stationed at Pearl Harbor. And Denise and Charles would hit it off and ultimately get married um, they would get married in Seattle, in her neck of the woods, and move to Pearl City, Oahu, mm-hmm. shortly after, uh, which is obviously right. near. That makes sense. She wanted to get married so her family can come, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and Denise would get yeah. a job as a secretary for a telephone company and commuted by bus. A lot of telephone company uh, links in this case. There's a few, vi- a couple victims yes, that both is. worked for tele telecommunication company, and I believe the killer uh, at one point worked for yes. a telecommunications company as well. Indeed, he did. Yeah. yeah. They were such a big industry back then, you know. I still, they still are, obviously, but like I feel like they did even more so back then in the eighties and nineties. Yeah, they've kind of they've kind of shifted gears. Yeah, you know, in the more recent years. Well, with the internet and all that stuff, there's a lot more ways for people to communicate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they haven't gone anywhere. Yeah. They just they just shifted gears. That's yeah. all. So Denise was extremely well liked and made many friends within a short amount of time on the island. She was also active in her Christian church. And on the morning of uh, Monday, January 30th, Denise headed off to the bus stop on her way to work, um, which she, she did every, every Monday. Um, however, on this, this occasion, she was never seen alive again. She would be found two days later in uh, Mauna Loa stream by three teenagers on February 1st, 
Um, and this stream led to the Kihai Lagoon. So once again, the killer is leaving the body near the same area, near the same lagoon, near that airport, picking up these yep. people, these women, oftentimes at bus stops and oftentimes near the airport in that area. It's it's yep. a you know convenient spot, like near an airport at a bus stop. It just seems like you you have a lot of opportunities to potentially Absolutely. pick them up, pick up pick up some people. And at the same time, you have an opportunity to take people much further away. Yeah. For sure. It's odd that he just kept it all in that area. Yep. It's almost area like he transit, wanted to create fear. You decide to like not. We said, you know, he, oh, he, he knew these bodies were going to be found fear. quickly. And, and think about how palpable that fear must have been on that little mm-hmm. island. Mm. For sure. Must have been like a fucking, like, like crack to him, man, everywhere he went. Yep. Seeing people afraid. Yeah. So, um, Denise's decomposing body was uh, was found, and it had been her body was uh, clothed in a blue dress, wrapped in a blue tarp. This is different. Uh, this is the first victim that was found, uh, you know, other than just in their own clothes, but wrapped in a tarp right. with her hands bound. She'd been sexually assaulted and strangled, and prompted by a third body, a serial killer task force was established on February fifth. And I'm sure this is the you know, a lot of the people on this island. It's the first time they've ever heard the term serial killer. It was still a new term at the time, and yes. you know, it was. Almost everybody uh, in the mainland knew of the killer of the term because of Ted Bundy and Gacy and all these people. But you know, um, I don't know how much of that the made locals it out to the probably islands. didn't, yeah, because they really didn't have anything to exactly. do with them. Um, it was now undeniable. Honolulu had finally admitted there was a serial killer in their community, and the frequency of the murders was speeding up. And this is where we get such a common thing we hear in these cases where the community is freaking out. A lot of the women are trying to obtain weapons to defend themselves. Um, Right, and they're just on high alert as they should be. Yeah, man, and you know what? Things started becoming real for them right here, and this is where the Honolulu Strangler moniker, if I'm not mistaken, actually starts becoming used. Yep. Right. Yeah, and that that seems like it takes takes it up a notch in intensity. Oh no doubt, they're seeing that in the newspaper. The killer has an an identity. Yes. And so, uh, police did have something to work with. They had semen samples that had been collected from the three victims. But this was very early, just like last week's case. This is early in the DNA analysis um, uh, portion of, of our history. Uh, right. It wasn't commonplace for them to compare DNA from a victim to you know a killer that they had on file for like another year. So unfortunately, that definitely um, that didn't didn't help when it, we know that the killer we know the killer's identity, but it never got any charges for murder. Um, never went to trial. Right. And ended up living out his life later on. Yeah, um, no justice. This, and so they they're starting to collect evidence. They're starting. They have a moniker. They know that they have a serial killer, and it would be two months this time before the, the next victim would be killed. In March of 1986, 25-year-old uh, Luis Medeiros was living in Oahu, but she had grown up in Kauai, um, and she was not on the best terms with her family at the time. She was a rebellious teen and had left home and moved to Oahu when she was 16. She so she moved and she was living in Oahu without her family. Her family back on Kauai for a while now. You know, right. she she ran away or whatever when she was sixteen, and she'd gotten into trouble with the law when she was younger as well. And she had a daughter um, when she was a teenager that she had lost the custody to, and she was fighting to get her back. She'd gotten her life on track. Right. Um, she had a boyfriend and she had uh, two sons as well, and she was pregnant at the time of her murder. Unfortunately, she was oh, three months no. pregnant, and this happened when uh, following her mother's death. Um, in Kauai, she flew back to Kauai uh, on March 26th to see her family uh, after the passing of her mother. And she flew back to go over her mother's will um, and stuff like that. It was supposed to be just a quick day trip. Right. Fly out there, you know, see her family, 
do some mourning, um, go over the the will, and fly back to Oahu that evening. Right. Um, so she does so on March 26th. She flies over there to see you know her family, um, and her her sister. Uh, tries to convince her to stay the night and fly back in the morning. She didn't want her arriving at the airport alone at night, um, which you know was a good call on her sister's part. But she she decided nonetheless, even with her sister's advice, to to fly back that evening. Um, and you know, March 26, she she arrived at the airport um, in Oahu and was never seen alive again. Mm. Um, she left the airport late that night and disappeared. Um, and her decomposing body would be found a week later on April 2nd near. Uh, Waikili stream um, by road workers, uh, still Gosh. very close to the same area, to the same cove. Right. She would still be wearing her blouse, but her lower body was nude, much like the other victims. And just like the other victims, her hands were bound behind her back, and she'd been uh, sexually assaulted and strangled as well. So it's clearly the same killer. Like, you Gosh. couldn't have more clear calling call- cards. God, her poor family, man. To lose their right. mother and then their sister in one week. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's rough. That is rough. Yes. And so police at this point, they're getting desperate. They began to set up sting operations using police women around the Kihai Lagoon. So they had police women, you know, stationed at bus stops and things like that. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, the killer either was on to that or just it was bad timing. The killer wasn't working at that moment. It had taken a little break. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they there was no success on their sting operations Man, maybe he had some kind of inside knowledge, or maybe he was watching them. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he just got a, a no. weird feeling about it. it was just too, too easy. Or you mentioned how the killer worked for telecommunications. Maybe he knew how to tap lines and shit. Who knows, man? Maybe he had a police right. scanner. I mean, if you just had a police scanner, I mean, on an island, you're gonna hear everything mm-hmm. that's going on. <laughs> right. I mean, am I wrong? I don't know. I feel like that wouldn't no, be hard I mean, to tap into their information, especially not in 1986. Right. It's possible. Maybe he saw like the police cars, the unmarked police car station nearby where the girl was sitting at the bus stop and yeah. observed that. I had a feeling he was observing these areas where he where he worked. He knew them very well. And he knew they you know, oh, maybe yeah. he saw the comings and goings. Maybe the girls that he chose, he knew they were normal girls that he'd seen them at the same bus stops many times and you know, and then he mm-hmm. sees this new person he's never seen before sitting at the bus stop and he's like, I don't know about that one. Right, right. Well, he obviously did his homework. Yeah. He did his homework one way or another because he never took the bait. Yeah. And it would be about a month before the killer would strike again. About a month after Luis Medeiros uh, was killed, another woman went missing. It would be Linda uh, Linda Pesci, who grew up in Northern California and hit- had hitchhiked across the U.S. in her early 20s. She was known as a street smart uh, girl and tough. She'd moved to Hawaii initially to work as a dancer and later settled down in Honolulu, got married and had a daughter. And after eight years of marriage, Linda and her husband got divorced, and her and her daughter moved in with a friend. So she was a roommate with a with another woman. Um, and on April 29th, 1986, when she was 36, um, she'd just gotten promoted at the telecommunications company, another another uh, victim that worked at a telecommunications oh, no. company. Um, she'd just gotten a, a, a raise and a promotion uh, from Accord Telepage. Um, and according to her roommate, she left home on the morning of April 29th and was expected to be home late that evening due to a pre-scheduled work meeting. The, however, the next morning, after being told that Pesci had not shown up for her uh, for work, her roommate reported her missing, and police became greatly concerned when her car was found parked near the northern end of Kihai Lagoon, where the victim had been, I mean, the, the oh, killer no. had been, you know, placing all of the bodies. It appeared as though her car had broken down and she'd walked to a nearby bus stop. 
Her wallet and keys were not left in the car. She had them with her. Um, so police set up a roadblock the next morning along the road where Linda's car was found and just talked to everyone that they came across and, you know, asked them if they had seen anything the night prior by chance. And there had been several yeah. people who had witnessed Linda's car parked there with the hood up. And they'd even also seen a van. Uh-huh. A van. I'm just going to leave that out there. They'd also seen like a light colored oh. van with some lettering in the back window and a man, uh, you know, a strange man uh, near her as well. Okay. Um, so police wasted no time on this one and did a TV press conference pleading for the public's health uh, help. And four days after Linda went missing on May 3rd, 1986, a 43-year-old mechanic that lived on the southwest coast of the island on Iwa Beach walked into the Honolulu Police Department and interjected himself into an investigation. This is never know, a, a serial good sign. killer investigation. His name was Howard Gay. He told police that a psychic told him where to find Linda's body. Oh. He said she could be located on sand, uh, at Sand Island. And uh -huh. he also said that he had met the victim and that she had attempted to sell him a, pap uh, a pager, which she actually, this was something she did working for the telecommunications uh, company. She was like a saleswoman. And she would often go into local businesses and things like that and try to, you know, sell their services to them. Right. And this is how they came in contact with each other. And I'm guessing she had gone into his business where he worked. And then later he sees her broke down. And that's where this, this goes down. Mm. Um, his information was actually found in Linda's notebook. She'd written it uh, on the day she disappears. So this, this bastard's coming into the police department saying he knows where her body is. And also, oh, by the way, I'd met her on the day that she died in as well. And there's proof so, that he met her. Yeah, exactly. Wow. He's ballsy. Clearly, he wants to get caught, it seems, he in could, my opinion. Well, he can't possibly be the killer, Lauren. Who would do this? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. come on. Uh, what kind of idiot? Right, would, what kind of idiot? If he was actually the killer, would, <laughs> would just interject themselves like this. Yeah, I mean, he had a good thing going. He was getting away with everything. This this wouldn't be Do him. you think maybe he subconsciously wanted to be stopped? I mean, we've talked about this so many times in the past where killers just get to the point where they're like, somebody has to stop me because I can't stop myself. I think, you know, sometimes I think it's a little bit of that, but also I think it's... They subconsciously, Arrogance. they want to be feared. They want that. Yeah. They want to see that fear in people's eyes. They, they want, don't want all of their work to go, uh, you know, unclaimed or, you know, all the credit to go to someone else, exactly. I think, as well. Like, exactly. they're proud of their work, and they want credit for it. It's like a painting to them, you know? And this guy knew by implementing himself in this investigation, he was going to concrete, concrete himself in history, whether he was the killer or not. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. He would always be at least be suspected of as having done it, which is almost as good because then he doesn't have to serve the sentence. Precisely, precisely. Especially if he which did ultimately do it. worked out for him, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Can't argue with that. Piece of shit. Um, so the police went and searched the area that he told them about, and he went with them, and it seemed like to them like there was a section of this area in. Uh, the Key High Lagoon area, where he was avoiding it. Mm -hmm. And the sections he was taking them to, they weren't finding anything. Mm -hmm. And so they decided to, to go back and search the area that it seemed like he was avoiding. And sure enough, um, they found Linda Pesci's body. Just like the other victims, she was nude, her hands bound behind her back. She'd been raped and strangled. And on this one, there was a concrete block that had been found on her body, which was face down. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. And so this man had interjected himself. There's been another victim found. And I think this is a good time to go into a commercial break, uh, after which we will get into a little bit more about this uh, this, this character um, who had interjected himself, Howard Gay. All right, we'll be right back, guys. How about this? This holiday season, instead of giving another thoughtless soap basket, why don't you give your loved ones something as unique as they are? Something like StoryWorth. 
StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones preserve precious memories and stories for years to come. How, you say? Every single week, StoryWorth emails your list of loved ones thought-provoking questions of your choice. Maybe things you would have never thought to ask them. For example, have you ever asked your grandmother what's the bravest thing you've ever done in your life? Or had a discussion with your best friend about what you'd like to find out if you could see into the future? No, you haven't. That's why you need StoryWorth. They will compile a year's worth of stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book. I'm looking forward to sharing my keepsake book with my kids, and I'm thankful for the memories that it will keep alive. Reading the weekly stories helps you connect with loved ones no matter how near or far apart you are. Thanks to StoryWorth, I found out my great uncle had an affinity for songwriting, just like Mua. With StoryWorth, I'm giving those I love most a thoughtful, personal gift from the heart and preserving their memories and stories for years to come. Go to StoryWorth.com Creeper and save $10 on your first purchase. That's StoryWorth.com Creeper to save $10 on your first purchase. What's up, Creepers? If you ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. This week, our friends at Simply Safe are giving True Crime Guys listeners early access to all of their holiday deals, 40% off their award-winning home security. We love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. I've had Simply Safe for over a year now. It was super easy to install, and there's nothing like the peace of mind of knowing that you have every inch of your house covered by cameras and sensors on all of your doors and windows. Um, I, I recently actually saw a bobcat uh, caught on camera. So it, luckily it was not a robber, just a bobcat, but it's still nice <laughs> just knowing that if, it, if that bobcat was trying to steal something, um, it, you know, I would have had the police on their way in no time. Simply Safe was even named best home security system of 2021 by US News and World Report. You can easily customize a system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. These are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over $100. There are no long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind. So take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday deals and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com/creeper. Again, that's simplysafe.com/creeper for 40% off your entire system. All right, big thank you to our sponsors. Uh, if you want more information about them, there's links to our sponsors in the show notes as well as the you know the sources that we use for this week's case and many other uh, links regarding our show, like our Patreon page and all that. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Right. So after news of the latest killing got out, the community was even more in a full panic. Hundreds of tips poured into police, uh, but they still had this character, Howard Gay, that had wandered into the Honolulu Police Department and basically given them the information. You know, they, they, He'd led them to the body of the latest victim and mm-hmm. fit the profile of the killer that they'd been looking for. I mean, they, they had started you know, going over profiles with FBI agents and things like that about like, what this person could be like. And of right. course it was like many a serial killer profiles we've heard a white male in his mid thirties or forties, um, kind of a loner may have a family, things like that. Right. Um, this guy fit the mold. And also they would come to find out that he had a van, which oh, no. fit the description of the van that was seen next to Linda's car on that evening. Had Guilty. even had lettering in the back window as well oh, um, oh, for oh. his, for his business. Yeah. But didn't he try to take that lettering off at some point? Yeah, in time? So while he was under surveillance, this yeah. is what led them to arrest him and like started interviewing him. He's, it, literally, he, they're watching him, right. and he's outside like using a razor blade to scrape off the lettering off his window. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. That's sus. That after that, after that information yeah. is released, all right. Yeah, that doesn't look suspicious at all. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they continued to survey him around the clock while following up on these other leads that were pouring into the police. Um, they noticed that he had a van, as we mentioned, matching the description, um, and that he'd even tr- attempted to remove the, the lettering in the back window while under, you know, undercover police were watching him. So on May 9th, 1986, six days after leading police to the Linda's body, Howard was brought in for questioning and actually arrested. Um, he would be questioned for seven hours and uh, also failed a, pol- a polygraph test, which we don't put a lot of weight into, but, right. you know, when you fail it, it, it at least it uh, solidifies your belief a little bit, it's I just, suppose. At least it's just he's nervous, cir- at least. Yeah, it's just more circumstantial evidence as well, too. Yeah, which there was plenty of oh, in regards God. to this man. Seriously. Um, unfortunately, there was no concrete DNA evidence, which it just seems crazy to me that they they weren't able to, to do that. But I feel like they could do that li- now still, but... Anyway. Yeah, if they still had the sample, though. I'm questioning that. That's true. That's true. So the limited testing they were able to do on the semen from the crimes did have a major clue, though. So even though they didn't ever link his DNA profile to the the victims because they never tested it against it, Mm -hmm. they did have a major clue in that they found that the killer was almost certainly to have had a vasectomy in the past because there was very few sperm in the semen samples that was was, uh, inspected. And, of course, it would come back that Howard Gay had had a vasectomy in the past as well. So that was another major... Major piece of circumstantial evidence, right? You know, like how many, how many serial killers were working that it also had a vasectomy, you know, and also yes. had a van that matched the description, and also had been seen in the last, you know, seen with the victim on the same day she was murdered, and also right. you know, interjected themselves and brought them to the body, and just happened to have, you know, a psychic had told them, like, come on, like, this, this okay, is so much circumstantial evidence me. in my opinion. Like, you could convict him right now. <laughs> like, if I'm on the jury, Not, you're fucking done. <laughs> right, right, and just and just to add a little more fuel to the fire. Um, it was a popular blood type found at the crime scenes, but his blood did yeah. match it. Yeah, his blood was also, so, I mean, it was the most popular blood type in the world. But it did match it. he was it. in that pool as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So it at least didn't eliminate him. Nothing is eliminating him. Nothing no, at all. No, no. We are far and from in fact, many things are linking him to these crimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the suspect's ex- ex-wife and girlfriend uh, gave some more insight into this man and, and also made him look more guilty. They described him as a smooth talker. They uh, also provided a potentially incriminating fetish clue as both were called in engaging him engaging in bondage activity, allowing him to tie them up and have sex with their uh, sex, uh, sex with them with their hands tied behind their back. So he was into bondage uh-huh. um, and we see the victims ultimately tied with their hands behind their back, much like he preferred to have sex with his uh, uh, wives and girlfriends in the past. Right. His girlfriend uh, related that on nights after they had fought, uh, he would leave the house and that the, these were the same nights the murders had occurred. So he would leave the house after they had had these fights and then not return until r- really late in the night or early in the morning. And these coincided with the nights the victims would, would go missing. So much circumstantial uh, evidence. I mean, you lay this all out for a jury, in my opinion, and you get a conviction. This is, just, I mean, even without, you know, damning DNA link, which could have later been done if they had him, you know, Right. Sitting in prison for murder. They you think that until you hear later. the until you hear the defense, you know? I mean, God. You would think it's yeah. it's a no brainer, but we've seen people with this much circumstantial evidence get off. Yeah. So nonetheless, uh Howard remained stoic in the interrogation room and denied involvement in the murders. And unfortunately, I believe he got like a call from his girlfriend at the time, um, one of his his calls from jail mm-hmm. and they she talked to a lawyer and they advised him to stop talking altogether at which point he shut his mouth and all the police had was circumstantial and he would ultimately be released um and you have to think if, if technology was just one year further along they would have been able to compare his dna 
kept him in custody, compared the DNA to the victims, and this would all be over. Uh, oh yeah, that's a, that would be a that'd be the nail in the coffin. Doesn't come to fruition for whatever reason. It's aggravating with this case. Yeah. Um, so police would continue to f- uh, follow him, and a twenty-five thousand dollars reward for the information uh, leading to the you know the killer in this case would be put out by private businesses. Two months after the arrest of of, of Howard, a woman came forward and claimed that she saw uh, one of the victims, Pesci, with a man on the night of the murder. She successfully picked the suspect out of a lineup. So Howard, she picked Howard out of a phone-up lineup. That's another piece of damning evidence as well. Now you have you know an eyewitness mm-hmm. that you could have put on the, that you could have put on the stand. Unfortunately, um, this woman was not comfortable with that because she believed that on that night he had seen her as well. So she didn't feel comfortable with if he got off. She she was worried for her safety. Oh, I bet because she felt like he was going to get off, which he did. Yeah. So yeah. that was a smart move, I guess. So that could have been the thing, the, the you know the, the straw that broke the camel's back in the you know defense. It could you know, that been. could have been like one more thing that would have put it over the top. But unfortunately, and you can't blame the woman. No. of course, no. I'd be afraid too. Uh, if they're ignoring all this circumstantial evidence, it's like what's one more piece? I, I'm not gonna no. Yep. I'm not gonna risk my life for that. Right. So not long after this, Howard would move back to the mainland in the Midwest and live out a quiet life. Uh, meanwhile, back in Honolulu, the killings came to an abrupt Shocker. halt. So there's another piece of uh, circumstantial evidence that's hard to get past. It's like, oh, the killings stopped when you left. Uh, go figure. Uh, right? Come on. Um, it's, it's just so clear that this man was a Honolulu strangler, strangler unfortunately. However, justice has never been served. And let's go over a quick uh, brief history of Howard Gay. All right. Um, he was born in 1943 in Buffalo, New York. Not much is known about his personal history other than he joined the Army and was stationed at, at George uh, Air Force Base, a 30-minute drive away from Apple Valley, California, where he lived for 15 years. Hmm. He was eventually discharged in 1965, where he then attended Victor Valley College, uh, received his associate's degree, and was employed by Continental uh, Telephone in Victorville. So another person working for a telephone company. Yep. Um, he held jobs there as a lineman and a teletype repairman. And in the same year as his discharge, he married a woman named Rita Thompson, who was his college sweetheart, where he fathered two children with her, Justin and Jason. And in 1968, he was working for a uh, flying tiger line, uh, at Los Angeles international airport. Um, and his, so we see links to him in airports. He was working at the Honolulu airport at the time of the murders. We would come to find out yep. his role at Los Angeles international airport was to train cargo aircraft mechanics around the world. And in 1980, he was relocated to Daniel K. Inoy International Airport in Honolulu, right near where all the bodies were being dumped. Yep. Um, there you go. And he lived in a three-bedroom home in Iwa Beach, where he divorced from his wife in 1983. And some more insight into his personality. One day, his family decided to surprise him by traveling to Honolulu. But when they arrived um, and showed up at his house, he was upset and refused to let them in. He told them to stay in a hotel and ship them back to California two days later. Can you imagine? That's, like, that's so absurd. How offended you'd be, you know, well, if you're his his ex wife and his kids, like my God. But how more offended would you be if you came in there and he had a dead girl in his house? Yeah, that's yeah, probably maybe what that's happened. what it was. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he was, had he had some some guests that yes. you know he didn't want them to know about. Well, because think he's divorced right now. He divorced from his wife in '83, and then his family shows up yeah. in Honolulu, probably to surprise him. They're probably like, oh, he's feeling down. He's feeling. You know, in the dumps, let's go surprise him and cheer him up. He's wiling out at this time. He's free yeah. from his wife. He doesn't even have to like make excuses for why he's out late at night on these nights. Precisely. And I think they interrupted yeah. one of his little binges here. Yeah. 
Meanwhile, his neighbors told reporters that he was a gentleman, always willing to help others. We did mention that, you know, his, his exes had said how um, charming he could be. He was a smooth talker, and it's possible that, you know, he was able to um, get these girls into his car that were sitting at bus stops. He offered them a ride, and maybe he was, you know, yeah, I don't know. He, had, he like used that smooth talking ability to, to coax them into the car or whatever it was. I guess so. Um, a female assistant manager who worked at uh, La Marina Sailing Club in 1986 recognized Gay as a man who had routinely stared at her, asked her to accept rides from him, and once reacted furiously when she once again refused. Mm. So you get a little more insight into that. Okay. Unfortunately, this man never never saw, you know, the families never got any um, any justice served. He was yep, never, no uh, he would never ultimately be found guilty of any murders, never taken to trial. And he would ultimately die in 2003 at the age of 60. He'd been being watched over the years by a task force in the Midwest where he was living and also uh -huh. by the FBI because it was now, you know, it became international when he traveled several times uh, to Europe. They followed him over to Europe just to, to keep track of him as well. Damn. However, they never witnessed him commit any crimes over the 25-ish years that they'd been following him. Um, That's insane. And somehow they never obtained his DNA and tested it against the victim's profiles that they supposedly had on file i just i really question whether the police in honolulu actually kept those samples the semen samples from the murder victims because if they did it just seems all too like obvious like like we've yeah. seen in several cases where we, they use genealogy and they track it down to a couple of potential suspects and they follow them around and obtain their dna you had 25 years to follow this guy around and get his dna i know right how you didn't already have it on file from when you had him under arrest back in, you know, 1986 or whatever is beyond me. But how you then don't, like, the FBI's involved and you guys still, none of you guys think to get his DNA. He had to have left a soda can or a cigarette butt or something behind all these years right. that you could have taken and gotten gotten a conviction here. But, you know, they were probably... Make, it really makes me wonder, did they lose the, the semen samples? That's the only explanation that makes sense to me. I think they were so sure that this guy was going to to recommit another crime. And they thought, if we follow him long enough, we'll catch him red-handed, and then it's a done deal. After how many years, though, do you give up on that and go, fuck it, let's get his DNA and get him in behind bars for killing five women in Hawaii? Yeah, I know, right? Also, on the other and, hand, as a serial killer, how do you go 25 years without killing anybody? Well, we saw it with uh, we saw it with BTK. He just he got old and... He just stopped, huh? ...pouring family life until he interjected himself like we saw with this guy back into yeah. the things and started communicating with police and they the floppy disk thing happened but yeah he stopped killing <laughs> yeah. for many years okay and he yeah, was also into true. bondage there's some some connections here you know there's similarities between him and um old dennis raider yeah maybe they kept trophies maybe they, they keep trophies to kind of keep that that feeling alive as they grow older yeah i don't know it just seems but if, Hon if, if honolulu still do, the police department there still do have the the you know the, the semen samples from the victims uh, if they still have that stored somewhere and it's still good how, how do you not exhume his body at this point uh, get some dna not, from right? bone marrow or whatever you got to do yeah um, he died in 2003 but like you've got to be able to get some dna from that it would be worth the closure and i'm 100%. assuming he wasn't i'm assuming he wasn't cremated or anything right do we know that for sure we don't know yeah he could have been cremated. But like even after he died, you would have think you would have thought that like authorities could have came in and be like, all right, well, let me get some saliva from his body while he's at the coroner or whatever. Well, I'm sure there's laws that protect that and protect the family, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know. And I'm sure the family wasn't willing to give up rights to his body afterwards. They're like, no, you're not gonna drag our family's name through the mud after we just lost him. Lost somebody, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Hmm. I mean, I totally get your point. They definitely should have. 
Like they're, they're, they should have just they should have gotten it over it, the many listen, years they had the chance to get it. Exactly. I just don't understand it at if all. You can, if you can justify trailing a guy for 25 years, then surely yeah. you can justify getting his fucking DNA somehow. It's such a disservice to the victims and the family's victims that they never attempted to do that. I don't understand why they just let this guy live out his life. There's I don't get it either. Overwhelming evidence that he was the guy. Overwhelming. I mean, it, it, you can't even explain away all of these coincidences and, and all this circumstantial evidence. Nope. He's clearly, clearly, Howard Gay is the Honolulu Strangler. We all know this, but yep. he never had to face justice. The family never got closure. It's just mind-blowing to me. Hell yeah, it is. Absolutely it's, Like I said, very unsatisfying finish to this one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, we have that sometimes. But something man. that is very satisfying uh, that we can, we can connect you to yeah. is Oh My Gaia. Oh, so satisfying, guys. So satisfying. You're going to love the way you smell, and everyone else is too. You're not, you're not going to smell like shit. You're not going to smell like an old creep van if you got some Oh My Gaia. Guaranteed. Hell no. Because Oh My Gaia is an innovative, all-natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum-free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At Oh My Gaia, they use only all-natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. And guys, there's tons of scents to choose from, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber, pear, sweet pea, sailor, barbershop. And here at True Crime Guys, we have our very own scent that Oh My Gaia made just for us called True Crime Pine. And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper for 15% off your order. That's creeper at shop underscore oh my Gaia on Instagram or ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com. Remember, guys, use code word creeper for 15% off your order, and you won't regret it, guys. Go natural. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. And while you're at it, check out our Patreon page. You get so much more content. If you love our show, you're going to love Patreon even more. There's countless uh, audio files on there, countless episodes of um, Patreon exclusive episodes. So many of the mm-hmm. big hitters that we've done are on there. And two bucks a month gets you access to all of that. And then if you want to go and get even more content of ours, five dollars a month gets you access to Just the Banter and gets you a gold Creep Van sticker as well. That's just right. the Banter is our other show where me and Michael just shoot the shit. You get to know us more. Um, listeners ask us questions, and we hang out every Friday and talk for anywhere from thirty minutes to an hour. Um, and just hang out. And it's usually not necessarily about true crime, but just whatever. Um, mm-hmm. This past week, uh, I believe Michael had to do it alone. Unfortunately, I had an extremely busy weekend. I had a wedding and two birthday parties I had to attend. So right. Michael held it down for us this week. <laughs> but uh, I'll be back this upcoming Friday for another Just a Banter episode for sure. Right on, guys. Yeah, we always so have Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash true crime guys. Um, check it out. And you can pay up front if you don't like monthly charges. You just mm-hmm. pay 21 bucks, get you access on the $2 tier for a full year. A full year. Or $54 gets you in the $5 tier for a full year, and then you're done. You don't have to worry about it. Maybe maybe uh, you know if you're, you're listening to this and your wife loves True Crime Guys or your hubby, your husband loves True Crime Guys, whatever, it'd be a nice stocking stuffer or gift, oh. a year subscription to, Patreon guy, uh, to, our, to our Patreon page. That's right. That's right. Or maybe you got a little extra Christmas money. You don't know where to put it. Instead, yeah. of, instead of buying 10 go. coffees... Just get you a fucking yeah. True Crime Guys membership, a gift that keeps on giving. You There's know countless hours of entertainment on there for you. And we're adding to it every single week. And every you get a shout-out as well when you sign up. Oh, every every single right. new patron gets a shout-out on, on Patreon as well. So That's right. And is that's that right. next week? Is it next week is our Patreon episode? Already? I think so. Did Man. we already do three in a row? Shit. It probably. goes fast. It does. Yeah. It comes back around quick. 
Um, but if you guys are already on Patreon, you're caught up on True Crime Guys, also check out the other shows that we have to offer, like Strange and Unexplained, where we tackle unsolved, missing persons, strange phenomena cases. And then once a month, uh, we do a special episode on Strange and Unexplained as well. It's Patreon exclusive. It's on the $5 tier on patreon.com slash SNU podcast, but it's called Sandu Stories. And it's a produced, it's basically audio theater. It's it's True Crime Guys audio theater uh, with with voice actors and, you know, sounds to set the mood, the scenes, uh, mood music, everything. It's so cool. It takes you it's, on a journey. And it, it, if you partake in, in the Mary Jane, I, I highly recommend uh, doing so and then <laughs> listening to that and you just get even more absorbed into you it. You will be absorbed in it completely, guys. And you don't have to be. You don't have to be a partaker no, to no, enjoy no, of this. Not, hopefully. It helps. Um, but what I wanted to announce is for this Christmas, we're going to release a special episode of Sandu Stories for True Crime Guys listeners. So you guys be on the lookout for that. I'm thinking, Lauren, I haven't, I haven't, I know I haven't mentioned it to you about the official date, but I'm thinking like Christmas Eve. We could drop it on That'd Christmas awesome. Eve, right? That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, guys. Well, so you guys be on the lookout for that. Uh, we won't be taking any weeks off in December. We'll still be trucking right through. Uh, yeah, so you'll a, get a legitimately bonus episode. Yes, it'll be a legitimate bonus episode, and we're going to drop it on Christmas Eve. Let's drop it at midnight on Christmas Eve. I like it. So there you go, guys. So be on the lookout for that, your official sneak peek of Sandu Stories. All right. Uh, let's All right. take a minute to thank everybody that's gone and rated and reviewed the show. Right um, we were up in the top 200 all week uh, in the Apple, and then we dropped out, so let's try and get us back in there. Um uh, anybody that's not subscribed, make sure you click subscribe so that you can help us get yeah. back into the top 200 true crime podcast. I think we're worthy of being in the top 200 true crime podcast, don't you guys? I, I believe so. I believe so. And guys, if you're on yeah. Spotify, hit hit the follow button, okay? I mean, I know yeah. Spotify kind of does a really good job of keeping up what you listen to all the time, and they kind of keep everything right there on your homepage. But if you just click that follow button, it really helps promote the show. We appreciate yeah. that. But another way to help is to go and rate and review the show, and I want to yes. thank those that have gone and done it this week. First, we got Chrissy Chrissy who says, I remember. I'm one of the fans that started back when y'all were True Crime Las Vegas. I remember when the third host decided he couldn't continue. Big blow, but y'all have killed it as a duo since, and then some, because Sandu is killing it too. Your podcasts make me happy even when the case is sad because you do the victims justice they deserve in telling their story instead of glorifying the killers. I look forward to every week, every new show from uh, True Crime Guys Productions all week because it is all week. Thanks for the information, justice, and good times. Thank you, Chrissy Chrissy. What a review. I like that. I like to say I look forward to it all That's week awesome. because it is all week. It does feel like all week to me. That's for sure. And I'm yeah, sure you feel like that as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Rec- it seems like I'm recording stuff every other day. Almost. Yeah, yeah. We're we're putting out that content, peeps. No doubt. Yep. Uh, then we got XO Baby Ash in the U.S. said another fantastic true crime pod. I recently began listening to this podcast after Killer Queens gave it a shout out. I love the presentation and each nice. original song written for each episode. That's awesome. Thank you, uh, Baby Ash, for giving us a chance, and thank you, Killer Queens, for the mention. As always. Then we got Thena T in the U.S. said, I need a Creeper TCG tattoo now. We're Uh we're still waiting for that to go down, man. Oh, shit. And it's going to be a weird moment for me, just knowing that someone actually went you know went to that extent where they're putting something on their body that can never be removed. Oh, my God. uh, Are we about to get our first tattoo, Lauren? uh, We'll see. Oh, shit. Uh, but Thena says, nobody, no one, not a single noise in my head. True crime guys <laughs> in the desert. We like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. <laughs> so she's singing the outro music. Uh, she says, yeah. I love the dynamic the guys have, the sarcasm and the abundance of facts without being boring. It's like two young right Bill, Bill Buys. I'm guessing Bill Burrs. Just, right. make, uh, just making uh, learning fun. So 
what a, what a review as well. Thank you, Thena. And Seriously. if you do get a tattoo, definitely send us send us a picture. We will blast that up everywhere, and we'll Please. honestly probably send you a T-shirt or something because that's just crazy. I'll probably get it framed and just put it in my house. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it would be. What do you think it'd be? The creep van? What is it gonna What is it gonna be? Oh man, it's or yeah, it'd be the creep van, or it'd probably be like words that say "keep creeping" or maybe or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'll be curious. And we got one more. Uh, I Really Skate uh, from the U.S. says, Hi, I love your podcast. P.S. I'm a banker of 10 years. If you use an ATM that charges you a fee, take that receipt to your bank and sometimes they'll refund it. That's good information. That is good information. That's like a that's like a, like a month of Patreon right there, that $3.50 fee and some. <laughs> right? I didn't know we'll that. get that back I and never get a that. subscription. I never knew. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. The more you Man, know. I'll- I wonder if major, if like all major banks do that, or if it's just kind of like a credit union type deal, or what. I don't know. That's interesting. I'm gonna try it though, just to see if it oh, works. Hell and yeah. I'll report back. <laughs> I know, right? I, I want to try it just yeah, just to see if it works. I'm gonna stop at some gas station yeah. ATM, and get a few bucks out, <laughs> take <Right>. my receipt. <laughs> Go get an in and out double double with that cash. Can I get this three seventy five back, please? I drove across mm-hmm. town to get it, but yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> You're gonna waste more gas than you are to get the receipt, yeah. but yeah. Good All information, right, y'all. Though. That about does it. That's it, guys. We may see you next week, or we may only see you on Patreon. We have to we have to look into whether we've done three in a row. I think we have. Yeah, if we've done three in a row, guys, then uh, we'll be on Patreon next week, and then uh, yeah. we'll see you in a couple weeks for another freebie. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. True crime guys, in the desert we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming. You hush your mouth, boy.